570. In L.A. sports icon. Fred Rogan is here tonight. Decades on your television covering Los Angeles sports. Fred Rogan, huge in Los Angeles. The Dean. I'm the Dean. Fred Rogan. Weekdays before Petros and Money. A USC All-American. USC's Rodney Pete. An NFL quarterback. Absolutely perfectly delivered by Rodney Rodney Pete. Available on the iHeartRadio app or on am570lasports.com. This is Rogan and Rodney. And we continue on Fred Rogan and Rodney P on AM570 LA Sports. Okay, the uh, apparently the water in Tokyo smells like a toilet. So get ready for the Olympics. Let's dive in head first to that later on. Who's ready? I mean, <laughs> who's ready for the triathlon? I mean, are, it, it's crazy that you're you're just sitting here anticipating something bad happening every day, something going on with the Olympics. I mean, you just I've never felt like this before where. You're anticipating it, but you're anticipating it in a different way. Like, what can go wrong now? We just heard, oh, is, is Kevin going to get mad at me if I say... Go ahead. Bradley Beal, right? Um, that whole situation, now he's out, right? So what? And what's next? You know, what's going to be next is, is someone has to go into quarantine all the way, you know, halfway through. It's, it's almost like they... Sh- and there's no fans, and then there's going to be no... No volunteers anymore. And then, like he said, the the pool stinks and the sewage is all backed up and the water polo team has is, got to play in sewer water. Oh, no. What are we doing? There's going to be strikes, the sanitation strikes and the water and power strikes. Who, what, I just feel like there's just going to be a, a continuous problems over there and throughout these Olympics for the two weeks. And it just, ah. Uh, it's, 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 it could be really ugly. And if you watch NBC's primetime coverage, no matter what happens, you won't know it because it's going to be just wonderful. <laughs> Whatever happens, not hey, nothing it's to all see rainbows. here. Right, nothing to see here. What are and you talking peacocks. about? Right, it's peacocks. Yes. Don't upset the peacock. Don't make us no, spread our tail feathers. We'll dare. get really nasty with you. <laughs> don't do that. Okay, Rodney, we want to bring on a friend of ours now. Uh, he sat in the big chair. Uh, he's probably the foremost authority on baseball on the planet. He knows the Dodgers like the back of his hand because he helped build them. He also today will be asked some questions that I'm sure he will not answer. <laughs> I will preface it with that. So let's bring on Ned Collette. Wait, wait, wait. Why Why do you say that? Ned always answers questions. He may not give you the answer you want, but he, also, he always answers. Okay, well, let's see if he answers. Thank you, Rodney. Thank you, Rodney. I haven't even welcomed you yet. Wait, wait, I haven't even brought you on yet, and you're thanking Rodney. Uh, let me give you the proper introduction. We welcome Ned Coletti. Hello, Ned. Hey, guys. Good to be with you. <laughs> yeah, Ned, I had to step in right there. Fred's trying to throw you under the bus. Yeah. You know what I mean? We didn't like, even start out. We were already catching it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Ned always, he, he doesn't, you know, it's like, He's always going to give you an answer, Fred. You know, he can't. It's like you calling him at 2 a.m. because you're getting ready to jump out of the window because the Dodgers lost two in a row. You know what I mean? There's always an answer. Yeah, but the answer. But, not but that the one answer, you want. That answer was I'm sleeping. I don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you calling me at 2 a.m.? All right, Nick. Here's my first question. If you're, Go for it. If you're working with the Dodgers right now, if you're if you're in the chair, Will Trevor Bauer pitch another game for you? 
Boy, I can't answer that one. <laughs> 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 I told you. Nice that. That was, that was very good. Yeah. Happy All-Star break. How you doing? Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> hey, but really. I the, love it. The, the club's in a tough spot here, Ned. I, I, I'm just speaking, you know, honestly now. I think the club's in a really tough spot. You, you operated the club for a while. You know the brand. You you know what people think of the Dodgers globally. This is a tough position for the team, don't you think? No doubt, no doubt. It's uh, you know it's it's unprecedented in a lot of ways. Which uh, you know it's it's just it's just a tough spot, tough position for everybody to be in. You know, and so you know I'm going to sit on the side and, and watch it take place. You know, and however it unfolds, it unfolds. But yeah, no doubt for everybody involved, uh, very difficult. And and with this team, Ned, uh, because there is a great mixture of youth and especially veterans on this team. Um, however, this plays out, I think the Dodgers are equipped to handle it. I mean, and not let it be any kind of a, a distraction going forward. Obviously, he's a tremendous pitcher, and the Dodgers could use him on the mound. But if it doesn't, if he doesn't come back. I don't know if there's a better team that can handle all of this surrounding them better than the Dodgers could. Well, I th- yeah, I think you're you're right. I think you've got obviously a lot of depth, a lot of experience, a lot of talent. You know, and you, you learn that every day is going to bring you another challenge, perhaps, and, and some are bigger than others. And so you you adjust with what with what you need to adjust to. And there's no other way around it. The, the sport's not going to take a break after an all-star break. They're not going to give you a time off. They're not going to uh, let you regroup. You, you play it every day. And, and that's why when teams do win, it's it's a remarkable accomplishment because you never know. And it's a vast array of challenges that you have every day. Like I, I think I've said on the show before, you know, a great day for me used to be when nothing happened. It didn't have to be anything special. Just nothing happened. And you know what? It's a great day. But, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of different things going on right now. And and uh, you just hope that uh, that everybody comes out of it, you know, feeling uh, feeling good about it and doing the best they can with what they've got. Uh, that being said, Ned, all right, trade deadline is now approaching, and uh, given that the rotation, which was considered a bright spot early on, has somewhat been savaged now by injury and other situations, the Dodgers have to be in the market for a starter, do they not? I would think so. Uh, again, it's not that easy to just dial it up and, and have one show up. It's, um, you know, you've got Jimmy Nelson that started before. You've got David Price that started before. You know, I continue to we keep my eyes on, on Julio because he's surpassed what he's ever done before, and you still got 70-some games left in, uh, in the month of October. So a lot, a lot of unknown territory for him upcoming as well. And so... You know, you, you're always looking for starting pitching. You realize that you're not going to make it to the end of a season without good quality starting pitching. No doubt Dodgers had, had the best in the league for a long period of time and, and still have a lot of that left. But I think you, you're always looking for it. Because once you get past the 30th of July, you know, you don't, you don't know what you don't know. You, you don't know what's coming down the road injury-wise or, or anything else. But once you get past that date, it's going to be difficult to add anybody. And I think anybody they bring from AAA may be able to help them out for a period of time. But, again, you're talking about the big leagues. You're not talking about pitching minor league baseball. You're talking about 55,000 people, five decks. You know, you're talking about a lot of different things that 
that a young pitcher has has not had. Doesn't mean they can't they can't get you a game or two, or an appearance or, or three or four. But to, to plug somebody in that rotation every fifth day and then the month of October that that isn't here right now as far as major league experience, that's a lot to ask. Now you may be able to cobble that together with maybe three or four different people, but that that is a lot to ask. So I think that that's probably the the number one thing on the list, but there's there's also the pieces we don't know about, which is injuries, which which guys are finicky, which guys you, you wonder if they're going to be able to make it through. There's always two or three players like that too that you gotta you gotta be aware of, and you gotta know that hey, you know we may get a lot out of this player, but at some point in time, you know we we may have to look elsewhere too. So that's that's the beauty of the season, uh, a full season, because there's no team that doesn't win that hasn't earned it completely. There's there's no teams that that just kind of have it happen. To get there, to win divisions like they have eight in a row, uh, you have to have a lot of things prepared. You have to be ready for a lot of ups and downs and a lot of challenges that you wake up in the morning and you don't know you have and you go to sleep at night and you got it full on. Ned, speaking of that and, and speaking of full season, we talked several times in April. Oh, you all right, Ned? Yeah. Oh, okay. Just going over a bridge there, guys. <laughs> um, we talked in we talked in April and we talked in May and even June about, you know, the NL West and you talk about how competitive it is and we always felt that, you know, the Padres would be there. Uh, they they put together a great team, got a lot of talent, you know, in and out of injuries that, that has bothered them a little bit. But the Giants we talked about as a team that had a great start and you know, would they be able to sustain that? Now we're past the all-star break, hitting the second half. Do you see this as a three-team race and and that the Giants will be there uh, in the end? Are they for real now? You know what? I'm, I'm so uh, – I, I, I still believe what they've been able to do through 90 games. There's no doubt. Maybe the most surprising team in baseball. But the toughest time is still coming. And you're going to have – we talked about who You're going to have pitchers on that staff. Uh, either because of last year's shortened schedule or just their, their career path that are in territory they've never been in before. They don't have the depth the Dodgers have, so they cannot afford to have anybody go down with injury. Um, they're, they're in a different spot. I think that the, the second half of the season should be exciting, but I think that I don't, I don't have any doubt right now that the Dodgers will overtake San Francisco. I, th- I just think it's with the way the two teams are built, the experiences that they have. Um, Giants have played great, can't deny it. But the last 70 games will tell a story. You can you can lose a division the first half of the season. You cannot win one the first half of the season. You win one the second half of the season. You know what Mick Cronin says? Checking the score at halftime is for losers, Ned. That's what Mick Cronin says, That's the right. coach at UCLA. It's like those people that like to gamble on football, you know? To take the under, you're winning most of the game. <laughs> I never heard that one. I like that. That was good. <laughs> oh yeah, you win most of the game, right? Yeah. You know? we'll, yeah. we'll figure take out what happens when yeah. it's over. Most yeah. of the game. Uh, yeah. All right, Ned. The commissioner came out and said uh, next year uh, we're going to get rid of the uh, runner on second base in extra innings. We don't like that, and uh, we're also going to uh, get rid of the seven inning double headers. We don't like that either. What do you think? Well, I kind of got used to the uh, the runner on second base. Yes. I kind of like that a little bit. I was against it at the outset, but I think that you know it does speed up extra innings. It's going to preserve pitching. 
a little bit. It's going to shorten games. Um, so I kind of I, I would miss that a little bit. Um, a seventh inning doubleheader. I, either way, doesn't uh, doesn't bother me either way. I think the, something else you talked about was the uh, the shift. I think as well, yep. and I, yeah. I think that they really if they can figure that out. Put two infielders on both sides of yeah. second base. Everybody's yes. spike got to be in the dirt. Yes. I think it changes it a lot. I like that. I, that that is my big thing. Is you know, two infielders on on either side of second base and and, and in the dirt. I like that too. Um, Ned, just switching gears, just because we just got through the All Star break and he was the talk, obviously, of the first half of the season. That's Shohei Otani. What do you make of the season he's having, and and is it sustainable? Uh, I think it is sustainable. I think it's been phenomenal for the sport. I, you know, loving the sport as much as I do, I, I would hope that he would become perhaps the most recognized athlete in the world for a while. What he's doing is, is unique to everybody except Babe Ruth. And uh, when you're thinking about somebody that uh, you know, is really the, was the face of baseball as baseball really started to grow in this country, uh, that's, quite the, that's quite the accomplishment. Um, I, I hope that, that the marketing comes his way and that he becomes one of the most uh, visible and recognizable uh, athletes in the world and also takes baseball right with him. I think it's a tremendous opportunity. And I, uh, you know, I met with him years ago before he, uh, he, stoked he was going to stay in Japan for a while yet and talk to him. Uh, impressive kid as, as a young, as a high schooler, really coming out of high school. Um, I didn't know that he would hit as well as he's hit because the competition that he had faced was, was, uh, was not uh, necessarily a major league competitor every day, but he has. And the, the pitching always in, 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 uh, impressed me, but the, the hitting, uh, I, I give him a lot of credit. I think he's, he's really he's, – he's, he's the biggest face in baseball right now, and he's earned every aspect of it. And I thought his appearance in the All-Star game at a home run – in contest and, and how he handled all of that, I think it just added to, to who he is. That being said, we've made this point. It's fascinating. He has a higher profile outside of the market than he does in because of the Dodgers and their legacy brand. Uh, is there any way for him to overcome that? Well, uh, well, probably. <laughs> we probably can't talk about that, though. But, you know, he's a free agent, sure. You know, but uh, in the meantime... You know, yeah, I think, I think baseball can can do what it can do to to help help make them more popular, no matter what the two teams in the market are playing like. I think it should be a national story more than a regional, and I I think, you know, it is what it is in L.A. You got the Dodgers that that win every year, and Anaheim's trying to be five hundred. You know, not trying to be five hundred, but hasn't really been five hundred a lot. You know, two different dynamics right there. You know, ask ask Mike Trout. You know, so. I think in, in time, you know, that can change perhaps, but I, I do think that regardless of, of the market and and the record of the team, and they're playing a little bit better now, but regardless of that, you're still talking about somebody that is very unique to the sport he plays, to be able to do what, everything he does and how he does it, and really the personality he brings along with it. Hey, Ned, you sat in the chair, so i got to ask you this question, and we're anticipating uh, Corey Seager coming back. Um, you know, it, obviously a big year. He came off the, the World Series MVP, the NLCS MVP. Uh, big numbers. Big numbers were coming his way and, and probably still are. 
Um, but where do you see that as you as you sit in that chair and you're analyzing him and he been injured and and uh, you got to figure out a way what you're going to pay him, how you're going to pay him. Does that affect you at all that he's been hurt and didn't necessarily or hasn't yet had a season in a contract year that he would have liked? Um, how do you work that through? Because you know what kind of player he is. You know the potential. You know he's a big time you know, a superstar, and, and he proved that last year. But how do you deal with that contract situation going forward? Well, that, there's, a, there's a lot to that. That um, Everything you just asked about, there's so many different ways of looking at that. I think, uh, you know, I'll take the, the smaller part first, I guess, and, and that the injury, you know, it, it's not an injury of, of uh, that I would say of neglect. Okay, It's not like he's, you know, pulling hamstrings or, you know, hurting uh, hurting himself because he doesn't work out. You know, the guy ended up you know, taking a pitch off the hand, and you know that's that's nobody's fault. So I think once teams see him come back, and you know he's not. Whenever he comes back, the first week or so, it's not going to be as if nothing happened. You're still missing, you know, almost the entire course of a spring training plus. So it's going to take him a while to get back and to get back to be the player that he was last October. But I think if, if he exhibits that and that the, that he's healed and that it's not going to be a chronic situation, the break and the healing of it, I think it it, it goes right to, okay, so what's, what's the value of the player? You've got a, a shortstop. You've got one of the best hitters in the game. Kid that was third in the MVP voting as a rookie, rookie of the year unanimously, can play under the hottest spotlight. You saw that in October and winning the CS uh, MVP, World Series MVP, one of the few players that do that you know he's still uh, he's still in his prime in my opinion there may be another year or two of, of uptick to him and then maybe a leveling off and then maybe a decline of, of some sort um, talking about a smart player hard-working player guy that if I'm not a winning player most of all I don't think he's ever played on a team that hasn't won a division and you know there's a there's a lot of great things that that he can bring to a club so once he can play and once he gets past the injury and, and starts to, to show what he can do, and, and there's going to be some lull, I predict, because nobody can just come back and, and miss all that time. And play the game isn't that easy. As, as Bellinger, you know, he struggled coming back after missing two sets of game, two sets of, of the season. So once he gets beyond that, I think you, you take it for you, you go back in time and say, yeah, he had a shortened season, but it's not as if he caused a shortened season. He, you know, he got hit. And they'll put a fracture. You know, but isn't this final question, Ed? Isn't this really why the Dodgers are built the way they are? Because, yeah, of course you want to keep Corey Seeker, but it always comes down to when you had to do this. So you understand better than anybody. Yep. I got a budget to deal with here. I've got to look down the road. I've got to figure out what I'm going to do in the future. And if you've got a Gavin Lux and a Zach McKinstry, I'm not saying either one will be as good as Corey Seeker, and I'm not saying they won't. But if you have those two guys and those two guys, perform like you want them to in building a team if you lose Corey Seager you're thinking okay maybe I don't get the same thing but I might get something pretty close I'm good going in that direction you had to make decisions like that didn't you oh all, all the time I mean you're all you're always measuring things like that you know and and you know we always talk about you know uh, you keep somebody or not but you, and you bring up a great point because it, the other half of that is who do you replace somebody with right you know, and I guess one of the silver linings of this is they've had a chance to watch Gavin Lux play for, for quite a period of time now at his natural position. 
do they like it? Do they like it enough to, you know, to maybe shorten an offer to Corey Seager to, to say, hey, you know what, we'll get to a certain point. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. We've got Gavin Lux. That could certainly be the thought process. And, uh, you know, you got Chris Taylor, too, that can play, you know, the other side of the infield, uh, you know, along with Zach. You've got, you know, you've got a lot of different choices. But you have to be sure, this is just a general comment, you have to be sure that whoever it is, when the lights get the, the brightest and when you're getting to September and if you happen to be in a race and not just dominating a division, how do they perform? How are they going to be when it really gets to, you know, gets to be that type of team, that type of time? You know, it's the, the franchise isn't built to compete. The franchise is built to win. And there's a difference between competing and winning. And there's a lot of great competitive athletes. They're not necessarily all built for winning. Some are and some aren't. And you've, you've got to really know your guys. Nobody knows a player better than the people that, that manage it, coach it, front office it. They know stuff that, that none of us know, even though we watch it every day judiciously. But I think, I think you've got to make those choices. And it's, you know, it's, it's probably going to be a big, a big payday for, for Corey. Talking about a guy playing in a major market, all the playoff stuff, the, the World Series accolades, all those things, and really a steady player that's, that's still relatively young as a free agent. So yeah, there's you know there'll be a there'll be a payday attached to that. Will it be more than they care to pay? Have to wait and find out. But whenever you do that, you got to make sure that hey, you know what? We're going to use we have the players to replace a player. And there's a, there's a, a secondary part to it too, and that is okay. So you didn't sign a particular free agent. You know, you're going to use that money to sign somebody else, too. Right. So as, you, as you're trading in your mind, as you're trading positions, you know, sometimes people just say, oh, geez, I traded this player or I didn't sign this player. But, no, it also allows you financial flexibility to go do something else. Because, again, nobody knows the team or the, the, the player development system, the farm system, like the people who are sitting in the chairs. And so they know what they can handle. They know what's what's um, uh, going to be a, a little bit of a downturn where they're going to have to make up performance because they don't necessarily have a player that can do what player X can do. And, and you know, that's, that's part of the game. That's part of the puzzle. That's part of what you, what you got to figure out on a, on a uh, off-season basis. But you think about it every day of the year. I guarantee you that Andrew and everybody's thinking about these things consistently. How does it look? How does it feel? What do we do if we don't do A? What do we do about B? Uh, do we have this? Do we have that? But uh, keep in mind, though, if you do not sign somebody, you know, you've got typically you've got the financial wherewithal then to, to sign somebody else, maybe a different player, different. I'm not a different player, obviously a different player, but maybe a different position, maybe something else that you've highlighted that you really need more than uh, than the position of the player that's that that's leaving. And, and you got to also think about the next year down the road, too. Who's up that year, too? You know, in this case, I think you got Cody up the year after. So, you know, how are you going to manage all that? And they're represented by the same agency. So, you know, what you do for one, the conversations you have with one, uh, you got to remember what they are because you may have them with somebody else. When I signed Zach, you know, Zach had, had the same agent as, as Clayton, and Clayton was up a year after Zach signed. So I had to be very careful when you see close, knowing that whatever I said on the behalf of, of the Dodgers in relation to, to Zach Renke, that, you know, he's a smart guy. He was going to, you know, he was going to use that if it was to his benefit versus me later down the road. So you also have to keep that in mind, especially when you have an agency 
that represents you know, some of your better players and two of your younger players that are on the verge of free agency in a year or two years. All right. Well, Ned, thanks for coming on. Thank you for the insight as always. It's a pleasure to chat with you. All right, gentlemen. Good to have you back, Rodney. Thanks, Ned. I can't tell you how much I love having you back. Thanks, Ned. Appreciate that was so <laughs> unnecessary, what? Ned. What? No, I got what? that. I got that what? subtle dig, Ned. What are, what are you talking about? No, that, you know what? That that wasn't so subtle. Now that I think about it, Ned. I mean, saying it's good to have you back, Rodney's one thing. Not thank God you're back, Rodney. I hey, that. I had to go that deep. Hey, Ned. I know your intention. All right, goodbye, Ned. The water smells like a toilet. Let's oh, dive no. right in. Let's go. Let's do that. And are we gonna have cheaters next, Kevin? All right, we'll do cheaters, too. Let us yeah. give you money. Your chance to win $1,000 is right now. Yeah. Text the nationwide keyword dollar to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Once again, that's dollar to 200-200. Good luck. AM 570 LA Sports. Thanks for joining us on your ride. Thank you very much. Yes. Speaking of which, traffic. Hey, hey. It is a throwback Thursday. Rodney Pete, Fred Rogan. And I got to tell you, Fred, it's, it's good to see you face to face. Yeah, I Again, agree. Yeah, it really is. It really is, and uh, and now that I see the goatee up close and personal, man, you you are working it. That is a that is a thing now. I'm trying. Yeah. Somebody, Have you ever had a goatee before? Have you ever let it grow before? Ever like this? So a couple of years ago, I tried. I, I think I told you the story. I tried to do it, um, but you didn't get it this far. I know your no. boss came in and said, "Shave that off before you get on air or whatever." Right. <laughs> right. That's what happens. <laughs> Uh, that looks really good. Shave it. Oh, okay. Uh, this time around, first I didn't care because I was just going to keep it. And uh, I let it grow longer. Mm-hmm. So it was more filled than when I tried it. You know, when I started in TV, I had a mustache. You did? Oh, yeah. I had a mustache for uh, for about three years when I first started in TV. What did, what did you have? Did you have a Tom Selleck? I didn't have a Tom Selleck. I looked like uh, Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> okay. That's okay. what I looked like. <laughs> you had a little thin one. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. I was rocking it. Long hair, oh, yeah. right? Back in the late 70s <laughs> when I broke into teeth. Yeah, a little thin mustache with long hair. Oh, yeah. Wait, wait, okay. Like long flowing hair? It was down like a my, hippie? It was like uh, almost shoulder length. Wow. I don't yeah, think really? you're Freddie Prince Jr., Fred. I think you're talking about his father, Freddie, Freddie Prince. Prince. Freddie Prince. Not Freddie yeah. Prince Jr. Not Jr. Yeah. Oh, good point. You can yeah. there. God, <laughs> wow. You're right. Yeah. How old am I? Yeah. I knew what you were talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. You but, had it down to your, your shoulders, huh? Yeah, oh, yeah. Flowing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was back in the day. We wear those bell-bottom pants. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The platform shoes and with the, the platform shoes. in them. Uh-huh. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You had that Bee Gees look then. <laughs> That's exactly what I had. Fred wore angel flights. Yellow <laughs> yellow bell-bottom pants. Let's go. Nice. Ooh, who's in? <laughs> Who was in for that? Did they have a B sign on them? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, there was no P sign. Um, all right, Rodney. So uh, a couple of things we want to do now. Right off the bat, it's the story we teased earlier. Uh, apparently, there's a problem as we head into the Olympic Games in Tokyo. You know, they start a week from tomorrow with the opening ceremony. Right. Which I believe you can see, and I'm sure you'll be up for it, at 3.55 <laughs> a.m. 
what they're going to do is show everything live, and then in prime time, they what they'll do is um, cut stuff up and do segments on it mm-hmm. because they're they're running at twenty four hours now, and uh, they're holding the the triathlon. And, you know, you have to be an athlete to compete in the triathlon. Oh yeah, you you can't you can't mess around there. There's a swim, the bike ride, and the run. Not like the Escape from Alcatraz triathlon where you could have been eaten by a shark or chased by a bear. But that's another story altogether. And rough waters. Yeah, rough waters. So they're going to have that in the uh, the Tokyo River, I guess. And everybody's excited about it, except they have didn't realize that given the amount of sewage that goes into the river, the river smells like a toilet. And those are the words coming out of Tokyo. So not only will you be competing on a world stage, you'll be swimming around in sewage-infested waters. Yeah, and it smells like a toilet. So who's ready to start the triathlon? (laughs) (laughs) There'll be be a a lot of throw-up in that river, too, as as guys and women are competing with that. If it's as bad as they say it is, really? Yeah. I mean, I wonder how many people will actually be able to finish the swim without getting ill. Yeah. It gets gagging on the water. Yeah. I mean, you're basically swimming in, in... I don't, don't say know. It. Don't say it. Well, that's what you're swimming in, a toilet. <laughs> that, that's what you're swimming in, right? It's like in Arizona when we were growing up. They didn't even have sewers. They had irrigation ditches. Yeah. Right? So normally, you know, when there's sewers, it goes into the sewer. And it, not in Arizona, it didn't. It rolled right in front of your house in a ditch. And it smelled <laughs> like it. Rod, you have experience in this. You played in that septic tank in Oakland for a while. Oh, hey, no. there. <laughs> <laughs> the bathrooms yeah. explode, and yeah. you're out there on first and ten good. one time. Not good. Yeah, that was bad. It was bad, bad, bad. It was, con- you, know, you had to get ready for it. You know how doctors and and uh, when when the people are doing the the autopsies on a body, and they have to put that that whatever underneath their nose to block the smell. Yeah. yeah, we had to do that before games in, in oh, Oakland. No, you didn't. I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> That's the best story. God, watching the A's play in that stadium, with all due respect, Sad, right? that is just garbage. Yeah. That thing is just – and it's so hard to get anything done. They actually may move to Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, they, they might. And then they tried to, do, to move – I think they were trying to do something downtown, but again, you know, working with the city has just been very difficult. But it's 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 ugly, and unlike Wrigley Field or Fenway, just no renovations to to that stadium. It's just been, and what they've done is put band aids on it, basically. So I, I don't see them being there much longer. They really average sixty four hundred fans a game, only yeah. worse than Toronto, and that's yeah. only because Toronto's not even playing at home. Right. I think the stadium they're playing in seats 6,400. Essentially, it's like a spring training stadium yeah. is what it is. Yeah, it, it, it's really sad. And it's sad what's happened to the city of Oakland yeah. and their professional sports franchises. Right. Because, everybody's gone. Yeah, everybody's about gone. About to be gone. And, and that's sad. Yeah. Because that that as a city, you lose a little of your cachet if your teams all move away. You, you know what I mean? A lot of your cachet. You know, because it's such a – it was – such an identity too for the for the city, just a lot of pride in, in in Oakland. And even though you know their Golden State doesn't take the name, but it took the attitude of Oakland for so many years. And now they're not there. And obviously the Raiders is Oakland. I mean that is face of Oakland is Oakland Raiders. It's even still you know it'd be hard for a long period of time just to get used to Las Vegas Raiders. 
But then you take the Oakland A's out of it with all the history that they have there. It's just, it's, it's really is sad for the city because it's a community that's got a lot of pride, like I said, and people count on their sports teams and have a lot of pride in those sports teams and they all eventually are going to be gone. All right, let's do this real quick. Um, this is our segment called Cheaters. Mm-hmm. And uh, which one do you want first? The equine or the tennis? Let's do tennis. Okay, let's do tennis. So there's a report. The International Tennis Integrity Agency. I didn't know they had one of those. I didn't either. But they do. And they were investigating at least two Wimbledon matches for allegedly being fixed. Oh, no. Yeah, allegedly being fixed. Uh, They were put into place because match fixing has been an issue in the tennis world for some time. It has? Apparently it has. Uh, Notably in June of this year, Russian tennis pro Yana Sizkwa. Say that again. Not even close. (laughs) Sizakawa. Yana Sizakawa. Okay. Was arrested and charged with sports bribery and organized fraud regarding a match she played in the 2020 French Open. Wow. She denies the allegations of uh, match fixing. And apparently there were two large bets at Wimbledon that went the way and came in late. Oh. In two matches. That she was in? She wasn't in. This is somebody else. And uh, they didn't name the person. And guess what? What? Whoever it was won the bet. On the late bet? On the late bet. Wow. Yeah. Like what kind of bet that it's going to be? Right, Kevin, six two six one. And... Give, give the example, Kevin. Give an example. Like, like, the, they... like the example yeah. I gave earlier this morning to you, which made me laugh for ten minutes. No, just like if you're like a lesser known player and you know you're not going to win anyway, and the odds are, all right, it's plus three hundred. Federer is going to win this match in straight sets. You're like, all right, why am I even trying? I'll just lose in straight sets. Boom, uh, make me a cool thousand, ten thousand dollars, however much I'm willing to bet. I'm going to lose anyway, right? Why well, put in effort and luck my way into winning? But they're a match. not betting. The, the players aren't betting. It's it's somebody near them, or close to them, yeah. somebody that yeah. Yeah. got yeah. their ear is betting. Yeah, because they've talked to them and said, "Okay, right, you, you're not going to win anyway. Just losing straight sets." Yeah, or they get they might get a cut on the back end or something. You know, they right. try to find ways around it outside of explicitly betting themselves. But that's essentially what it is. Wow. So that's one yeah. way that you can kind of rig the system if you are a tennis player and you're trying to throw a match. Yeah. It, yeah, because that would be. It would be hard if you're playing someone like that, Federer, and say, mm-hmm. "Okay, um, I'll, I'll I won't lose the straights. I'll win one set." You know? Right. You can't guarantee that. Not at all. No. You can certainly no. guarantee you're gonna lose. Yeah. yeah. And get swept or losing straight sets. Mm-hmm. Wow. I didn't know that was a big thing. Well, apparently they're looking into it now. That's part one of cheaters. Yeah. Now you want the equine cheater? Equine. Okay. It's our buddy Bob Baffert. <laughs> our buddy? No, not our buddy. Yeah, our buddy. It's our buddy, Bob Baffert. No. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I mean, look, I know when he first said the reason the horse had too much of it in its system is because somebody peed in the stall on the hay. The horse ate the hay. And therefore, that's what happened. Well, they looked at it and said, Bob, there's no, Bob, there's too much of this going on. There's too much of this going on. So uh, at Churchill Downs, they said, you're. You're, you're banned now for a while. we got to figure this out. Problem is, once they said that, the New York Racing Association, Belmont, Saratoga, yeah, they went, you're out too. We haven't even tested anything here, but if they banned you, we ban you. You're out. You're not racing any horses here. You, we didn't say you did anything wrong, but wow. if they said you're out, you're out. Well, a judge said that's not true anymore. You can't do that. 
You cannot just simply say, they said he's out, so he's out. So Bob is back. Bob can race his horses at Belmont. Yes. 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 Somebody did pee on the hay. Well, yeah, right. At least in the minds of the people now at Belmont. Somebody peed on that hay. And you know what's you know what's hard about this one? We know him. Right, right. And we like him. We like him. We've had him on. Yeah. He talked about this very situation. So it's kind of hard. I think they, you know, I think they pretty much got him in Kentucky, though. They they got him. Whatever do you think he, they got him, or, or, or do you think it's widespread so much that they're making an example of the most highest-profile guy that, that's out there? That, at that, first, that, I thought that. That's what Bob says. Yeah. The problem is, and again, we all love Bob, it is always him. <laughs> Anytime something comes up like this, it is always him. It's never some other ancillary guy who's trying to get a leg up on the competition or anything. It is quite literally always Bob and one of his horses. You know, it's, uh-huh. a, it's a scenario where, um, you know, everybody's saying one thing about one person. And that yeah. person says, no, you're all wrong. Right. All everybody of you else wrong. is wrong. Everybody's yeah. wrong. How could everybody be wrong? How could everybody be wrong? Somebody, no. I, I, I think, yeah, I think Bob. I think Bob did it in Kentucky and got caught. That's what I think. I, I feel badly saying it. We have him on the show. We like Bob. I, I, I think. Yeah, Rodney. Come on. So what he got called for, though, was was what an anti-inflammatory that, that it's legal, except on race day or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something right? like that, right. You can't do it on race day. Yeah. And that's where it came in that it got, the urine got in the hay before, <laughs> on, at, at, at breakfast. <laughs> right. At, at breakfast. <laughs> he a horse ate some of that hay, and and that's why it turned up positive. Yeah, when you really think about it now, yeah, that was a pretty bad excuse. Bad, don't you think? <laughs> and you know, when he sold it the first time, I went, yeah, that's possible. Oh, you're right, Bob. We like you, Bob. You're right. Well, then when he just magically remembered, oh yeah, the horse had a rash, and we gave him an injection, and maybe that's where it came from. You don't say, huh? We gave it. Yeah, we gave him an injection that just slipped or, my mind for a minute, or an ointment, whatever it was. For a rash the horse had. Well, you know yeah. what? Let's not dwell on the negative. Right. right. Correct, right. Fred. You're right. right. Let's Come not on, do that. Fred. Bob's back. Yes. At Belmont. And good for Bob. Oh, we got a good sad sack next. Oh. Oh, we got a good one. Don't you do it, Fred. You're not going to be happy. Don't you do it. We have a good one. But you're not going to be happy. I'm just telling you right now. I mean, that is just sad. <laughs> sad sack of the day. All right, here we go. This is it. Look at you. I'm not, you know, this, I, I thought this would kind of subside a little bit when I was gone and came back, and now you back to getting all excited about the sad sack again. Yeah, and you're about to say, I'm not going to sit here. Oh, you're, oh, you're about to oh, say it. Yeah, this right. is real. Oh, this one's real. Who you got? Oh, no. Chris Paul. Oh! Yeah. How dare you? I know. Fred. I know. Gonna be hard in the middle of the finals? Yeah. Well, he just he just coughed one up last night bad. He really did. And honestly, as much as you like Chris Paul and people would love to see him win, I've seen that move many times with the Clippers with a game on the line. Uh, he struggled last night, 5 of 13, committed five turnovers, and the most costly one near the end of the game where he fell down. Trying to dribble around, he fell uh, down and lost yeah. the ball. Yeah, it wasn't that, good. Yeah. 
He's committed nine turnovers in the last two games, which, listen, is not unusual. I understand the narrative. Everybody wants him to win. It's great. When we got to the playoffs with the Clippers, this was not unusual behavior. He would turn the ball over, take a bad shot. Uh, The series is now tied at two. You have nothing to say about that? This postseason, Fred, it has been highly unusual for Chris Paul to turn the ball exactly, over. Exactly, But I'm talking exactly. about history. He's talking about history some... as of right now. And as of right yeah. now, his this two, three-game stretch has been terrible considering his entire playoff to this point. Exactly, Fred. But I'm saying... And he's hit game winners too, Fred. You don't talk about those. Because that wouldn't qualify him for the sad sack. You're just looking for a moment. Exactly. You were just... That's my thing, Fred. You were just looking for a moment to throw Chris Paul in the sad sack. And you got your opportunity and you took it. I would say I'm offended by that remark, but actually you're right. X marks the spot on the next stop of the Petros and Money Summer Tour, Friday, July 23rd, Brewery X in Anaheim. Brought you in part by Karen Ichiban Premium Japanese Lager, crafted to be rich, simple, bold, and authentic. Dedicated to ingredients, people, and flavor. For those who never compromise the pursuit of great taste. Okay, after the sad sack, now we must all unite and come together. I didn't mean to throw a wet blanket on everything. So let's come back. (laughs) Let's be as one. Next.